Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we are going to talk about the 2016 movie Zootopia. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I am the mom of an 18-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old. And all of them loved this movie. Yeah, my son loves this movie, too. And we hadn't watched it in a while, but he surprisingly remembers a ton of it. Like, was telling me things that were going to be happening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that happened. <laughs> when my kids are obviously very interested in the whole podcast recording process, mm-hmm. and I let my daughter listen because mm-hmm. she's an adult now and I can't stop her. But the middle one is always curious because I don't <laughs> listen because I curse a lot. Yeah. So, but he asked. He wanted to know what we were recording. And I'm like, Zootopia. And he's like, oh, well, I want to make sure I get to watch that one. Because <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Yeah. So I really sweet. like it. It's a good movie. Um, it is. A The world building in this movie is just, like, amazing. Like, I just want... I want this to be a television series so I can get, like, more of the world-building aspect of it. You just keep saying that out loud, and Disney may <laughs> grant your wish because they certainly have an ability to do more with TV now that they oh, have that's their true. own network. Yeah, yeah. So, I rem- we kind of brought it up in um, Sing. Mm-hmm. And how these are two movies that came out around the same time. I think they might be both 2016 movies um, that deal with worlds populated by animals. And it seems like humans are not even a part of the equation. And they deal with it. I, I like both movies a lot. Like I, But in Sing, there's like nothing... Um, that ever shows you any accommodations for, like, the different sizes of animals and the different needs of animals, right? They kind of gloss over it as they gloss over the general carnivore nature of animals. But in this movie, it's just constantly, Mm -hmm. these are the things that these animals would have to do, and these are the things that these animals would have to do, and nobody wears shoes. And they do it in really remarkable ways. Like, even (laughs) at the beginning, I love the shoot that goes up to the giraffe's coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to accommodate that yeah. really long neck up there. The most we get in Sing is the megaphone. Hey, up there! Yeah, like, right. Yeah, so there's, like, all sorts of really cool, like, world-building aspects mm-hmm. to this movie that are covered like that. Um, do you have a favorite one besides the giraffe shoot? <sighs> I really like the cold world. I yeah. think that one may just... I, the the polar bear accommodations <laughs> seem to be pretty well thought out. Like, yeah. I think my favorite thing is that the hippos commute through water, and then when they get out of the water, they have, like, you know, an all-over blow dryer because they're commuting yeah. in three-piece suits. <laughs> 
I did like Nick selling to the lemmings, like very yeah, deliberately. Yeah. He knows when it's time for the <laughs> lemmings to get off work, and yeah. that's where he goes and makes his two hundred dollars every day <laughs> because they can't help themselves because like. they're lemmings. Yeah. <laughs> So, this is a movie that has a 97% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. No Which surprise. is high. For mm-hmm. Even by animated standards, mm-hmm. that's high. It's probably one of the higher percentages we've mm-hmm. had. And uh, it's called Zootropolis in the UK. Did you find anything about why it's called Zootropolis? <laughs> I don't think Zootopia translates. But that doesn't it, make... It's like a play on Utopia. Well, uh, yes, but I don't... I, I don't know. Like, maybe I, I should have... It's not like I don't have a plethora <laughs> of British friends. So I will look into this one, and we will discuss it for the minisode. Mm-hmm. Because it is an interesting question. How is it that in the UK, where we all still speak the same language, Zootopia didn't translate? Do they still call it Zootopia? Like, in do the they movie? use the or word... did they change all of those too? I don't know. I, that I can't answer. Yeah, that's a good question. So we'll look into it. Yeah. Yes, we need more information now. The cast for this one it's is, massive. oh my god, gigantic, guys. <laughs> and we're just going to kind of gloss over all of the people that you relatively should know from Parks and Rec. I feel <laughs> like that will at least kind of help. All right. <clears throat> we start with Jennifer Goodwin as Miss Judy Hopps. I feel like you should know her from lots of places, although I have to admit to knowing her first and foremost from Ed. Do you remember no, Ed? I didn't know she, I do remember Ed. I don't remember her being on it. Yeah, she, well, she was much younger at the time, okay. and she was, I believe, one of the students' girlfriends. It's all very hate. I mean, this is, okay. God, now almost 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's where I think she one was of her in, first serious roles. Yeah. Big Love and mm-hmm. obviously um, she's Snow White on Once Upon, Once a, Upon time. a Time. And then we have, I have to say, maybe one of my favorite of his voice roles, uh, Jason Bateman as Nick Wilde, because you almost can't tell that it's him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just like... Wh- where did Jason Bateman come from for this? So he actually does quite a bit of voice work. Does he? Mm-hmm. He's got quite a few voice credits. Because he's a bit like our friend Alan, really good at doing the... So we've talked about how difficult it is to convey emotion in voice work. And some actors either have it or they do not. Jason has done a lot of work in, I want to say, like, TV animation and stuff. Okay. That you would, video games, that you just 
it's it's a lot of stuff that you probably heard him in um he narrated the Lego brickumentary. Okay. <laughs> he just he does a lot of narration and a lot of officers and a lot of yeah, weird stuff in video games that you would just you'd never know. Okay. Never know. That it's weird and crazy and Jason Bateman, who as an actor I mean, he's kind of a weird character actor, too. <laughs> like, is there... Well, Arrested Development. Yes, obviously that. Ozark. He... Hogan's family, when he was a kid. Also, and... Justine Bateman's brother. Right, and those are just his TV roles. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at some movies here. So, uh, he was obviously... Can't forget Teen Wolf Two. <laughs> that's that's an important Does credit. Does he play the? He plays the Michael J. Fox character. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that I've ever seen Teen Wolf Two. Man, <laughs> you're killing me here. Like destroying our '80s cred. What the hell? Uh, Starsky and Hutch. Uh, okay. He was in Dodgeball. He, uh, the Smoking Aces, Juno, Mr. Megoriums, Sarah Marshall, Hancock. Oh, he was really good in Hancock. But then he was also in Tropic Thunder and Up in the Air. Gosh. I mean, he just... Like, all these movies, I can't picture him in them. No, you he can't. He disappeared. <laughs> like, I remember can't. him in Juno. But yeah, I don't know. Jason Bateman. You apparently are... A you disappear to me. He's a chameleon. Apparently. Which, for a character actor, I must say, is works. quite a compliment. <laughs> we should consider that a compliment, that we don't remember him in any of these movies. I guess movies. so, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how to feel. As an actor, I'm going, well, that's rude. But he <laughs> is a character actor, so we shouldn't remember him as Jason Bateman. Sure. Okay. Then we have Idris Elba as Chief Bogo. I thought he was really good. At he was this. very yeah. I thought this was a great role for him. Um, Idris Elba from The Wire. Do we really have to uh. like at this point in time? If we don't know who Idris Elba is, I feel like you're maybe sheltered and need to come out of a different rock because. Our podcast cannot help you if you do not know <laughs> who Idris Elba is. We have my husband shuffling around upstairs, and I am quite sure all of that is going to be somewhat audible in the background, so sorry, y'all. My old wood-floored house. Okay, Jenny Slate as Bellwether, and... Again, Parks and Rec. Do do we? Yeah, I just feel like Parks and Rec. Do we need to know her from somewhere else? Yeah, I think a lot of people probably don't know who she is. Um, she uh, Secret is... Life's of Pets. She was Gidget. So there you also, go. Also, I like that on the Muppet Babies. She, on the new Muppet Babies, she's Miss Nanny. Miss Nanny. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'd forgotten all about that character <laughs> until you just said that. Oh, my God. She was in 22 episodes of Saturday Night Live in 2009 to 2010, so that's a full season. That's a full season. Yep. 
she's on the electric company. That um, sounds like a fun gig. On Parks and Rec, she's Mona Lisa. So she is... Um, I don't know. I've never actually watched the show. What? I realize that's sacrilege. Oh, no, it's, great... it's, one, it's on my list as one of those things <laughs> that I'll get around to when I'm really depressed and need... Yeah. Well, apparently she Two was weeks. only on eight episodes of Parks and Rec. So anyway, she's on a lot of stuff. Female comedian. Um, we have Nate Torrance as Officer Clawhauser. And let's see, do we have any notables for him? I like that his character is based on Jerry Gergich from Parks and Rec. I would, uh, there I is wouldn't a have reason known that. that I mentioned all of the Parks and Rec. I wouldn't have like, known that. He, oh my goodness, I did not realize this, but now I have an actual visual reference for it. <laughs> he was Sam's imaginary friend, Sam from Supernatural, his imaginary friend in that episode where his imaginary, mm, mm. he was on an episode of Supernatural. He was on an episode of Supernatural, <laughs> but that one was significant enough to be kind of in and my then, memory. Yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. In, embarrassing in the worst kind of way. You know, when your imaginary friend comes back, right? That's terrible. Um, and let's see. Also on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as Super Dan. Oh, I remember that character, too. So he's, he's a fun kind guy. Of a, it seems like he's a that guy. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's a fun guy. Yeah. There we go. That guy. All right. We have Bonnie Hunt and Don Lake, and we'll just mention them as a pair because they're relatively kind of are. If you've yeah. seen any Chris Guest movie, then you've seen them as a pair as Bonnie Hops and Stu Hops. Judy's parents. Shoot. So, I can't remember... Bonnie Hunt, I first saw her as a mom where I feel like... She's always been a mom. Maybe it was... Beethoven? Beethoven. I think it may have been Beethoven. And somehow that's just permanently emblazoned in my memory as, like, ideal mom. Because she was better than mine. So... <laughs> Yeah, this was this one was fun. Um, <clears throat> let's see. We have J.K. Simmons as Major Lionheart. I, I I don't feel like this was really a stretch for him mm -mm. in any way, shape, or form. No. J.K. just shows up and yells, and in this one, he had a mane to go with the yelling. So mm -hmm. like, yeah. He is most notably from Whiplash. Um, but he's been in so many things. Whoa! You, uh, you're gonna say he's most notably from Whiplash? Didn't you're not he gonna win say an he's Academy most Award? notably from Law and Order? Or Oz? No, I'm gonna say Whiplash, because I'm pretty sure he won a, an award for it. Well, he may well have done. Yeah. That movie he went, and he that won, role. 
he won best supporting actor. I think we can say best known from Whiplash, okay? Ex- I'm pretty sure if he was going to tell you what to say he was most notably from, it would be Whiplash. I don't know that. No, man. He won, I don't know, he won man. The Academy that role is so frightening. He won the Academy Award, he won the BAFTA, and he won the Golden Globe, all for that role. Because it was a scary as fuck band director, <laughs> and we all had that guy as band director, and damn, I don't think that's the role I want to be known for. That might have been his award-winning role, <laughs> but, like, when I think of him, yeah, I'm sorry, it's Law and Order, there's a dun-dun in the background, it's just, it's there. Always. My husband would say he, he knows him from Oz, because he generally... <laughs> Knows people from Oz and The Wire. Well, I mean, and those people—they've all done a lot of things. Core police fiction <laughs> as uh, that's fine. It's not Law and Order, but it's fine. <laughs> oh, Tommy Chong as Yaks, the Yak. We'll talk all about him later. <laughs> um, our good friend Alan. Tudic as Duke Weaselton here. Not Wesselton. It's Weaselton this time. For known for selling the bootleg DVDs. I was almost sad that we didn't get more screen time for Alan <laughs> in this one. I feel like he would have had fun as a So weasel. he's like he's gotta officially be the person we have talked about the most. Oh, hands down, he's in at least half of our episodes at this point in time. If we were to do a tally, Alan is winning. Mm -hmm. Because he shows up everywhere. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Shakira as Gazelle. Um, Okay. Raymond Percy? Do we... The Sloth. But do we have... You know, um, I really thought that that was What's-His-Face from Scrubs. The lead character... The... No. I know, I'm just saying. I thought I that's know. who that was. It sounds just like him. It was literally no one. I mean, not well, <laughs> no one, but he's a voice actor. Well, we're sorry if you're listening to this. I, I feel terrible <laughs> about the literally no one because I don't mean it that way. I just mean a voice actor of whom we do not have a whole great collection yeah. of works. I thought it was Zach Braff. He's a mainstay with Disney. So he did. Oh, he's an artist, too, which I like better now. Storyboard work for Frozen and uh, Wreck-It Ralph. And it seems like um, a lot of the rest of the characters are voiced by, like, notable voice actors. Um, So was there anybody in particular that you thought was noteworthy to talk about? Let me double check the list. Um, no, you're right. The rest of these almost exclusively are, uh, da, 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 da. we had Kristen Bell for literally five seconds as Flash's purple-haired co-worker <laughs> at the DMV, and also her girl is his girlfriend in the car, but we don't ever hear her talk. 
There, which always makes me feel like maybe there's a sequel in the offing here because why? Uh, <laughs> I, why do we make Kristen show up for two sentences? I don't know. That's it though. That's all I have. Do you have anyone else? Yeah, there was one other person I wanted to mention, and now I'm having a hard time finding it. To well, talk about it. so give me I one forgive second. you because what our audience cannot see is this two pages of cast notes that I had to compile for this movie. It's a lot. Uh, Josh Dallas, who is Jennifer Goodwin's husband, he mm. is also on Once Upon a Time. He plays the domestic pig that owns flora and fauna. So, like when oh, she's oh, outside oh, in the, the okay. in uh, Alan Tudyk's characters stealing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the um, Peter Mansbridge plays the um, news anchor, Peter Moosebridge. Yes. So that's Do we know who his co-host is at all? Her voice sounded vaguely familiar. So Peter Mansbridge is like very famous in Canada. He's like he's like the nightly news guy. Oh, okay. Um, and then so that character, there's a different character in different versions of the movie, voiced by different. Oh, journalists. That's interesting. So we use famous. Uh, okay, the Brazilian ver- version used a jaguar name. The Australian used an, uh, <laughs> a koala. koala. <laughs> the Japanese version uses a tanuki. Do we know what a tanuki is? It it's a raccoon like. with balls. Oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's a raccoon with balls. Great. I mean, um, what is your obsession with balls? I mean, <laughs> no, it's not my obsession. It's Japan's, but it's actually a <laughs> raccoon dog. So, like in Super Mario, when Mario turns into a raccoon, he's actually turning into a tanuki. Well, I was today. It's called years tanuki. Old yeah, it's I called tanuki Mario. Out. Yeah. So, today years old, baby. <laughs> I, I love it when I learn you. random video game <laughs> factoids. That's fantastic. So it's really cool that they did that with uh, mm-hmm. um, news anchor. I, it's a little interesting to me that they chose to do like a well-known Canadian news anchor for like the generic English release, and um, that there is no. I don't know. Anderson Cooper. Uh, yeah. Or, or Anderson Cougar. Or there like, you go. Um, I mean, come on now. That's a <laughs> missed opportunity. <laughs> but Peter Mansbridge is very well known in Canada. Like, so. Yeah, but the only reason you know that is because you live next to Canada. <laughs> I literally had no idea until you brought this up. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe somebody who made the film had a reason that they wanted to use Peter Mansbridge for. So, let's start just with the play, because it's brilliant on so many levels. (laughs) What is Disney... This is not the only place Disney has done this. Or maybe, I guess, 
Monsters, Inc. is technically Pixar, but the play to indicate backstory mm -hmm. has been done before by yeah. Disney. But this I love, one, yeah. I love that in the play, when they're being the wild animals, they're wearing um, leotards. So, like, the tiger is wearing a leotard with, like, tiger stripes on it. Because so, like, nudity we is literally, a thing. nudity is totally unacceptable in this new paradigm of Zootopia. And we find out about it a little bit more at the, the yoga camp, I guess. And also, like, the whole, like, what they call it, like, being on all fours is, like, mm -hmm. not a thing that they do. They all walk upright. But the nudity piece is really an interesting thread, and it's woven through in a number of places, in a number of different ways, and it, I don't know, I am, it feels somewhat deliberate to mm -hmm. me in a way that I cannot quite articulate, but it certainly has something to do with the story, Well, right? I mean, I think it's a pretty clear, like humans wouldn't walk around naked when they do like when children put on a play of like adam and eve they're not walking around naked well yeah but there's some morality play of some kind there that seems i don't know weird for disney I'm I could just, be wrong. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at it as uh this is a society of animals that developed as f if humans had in a world where humans don't exist. So they followed the same trajectory of development, essentially. Okay, fine. And, like, humans wouldn't walk around naked. And our kids would not be naked for an origin story play. I just... I don't know. You want? I, you I, feel I, like I, there's more there? I don't there. disagree with you. No, <laughs> technically, I find you to be factually correct here on all of this. But there's some weird undertone to it too, about when when Judy walks in and is appalled at the nudity, mm -hmm. right? There's some kind of like at the yoga thing. Yes, at the yoga. Uh, wouldn't thing. you be appalled if you walked in and everybody's dingle dangles were hanging all out? Well, except that they're not. I know, and they don't have any yet. <laughs> no, I mean, unlike our good friend Catbus, these are not anatomically correct animals here. So there are no dingle dangles dangling out. And But I always look at stuff like that and just proceed with the assumption that the dingle dangles are actually there and we're just not showing them in cartoon form today. <laughs> not today, because apparently we're not Japanese animators. Yeah. And again, that speaks to me of this weird, oppressed kind of prudity. Yeah. I mean, we can't even draw anatomically correct 
animal parts <laughs> when they are supposed to be naked. Well, How I'm not telling you. Pressed are we exactly? In some of the poses that those animals are in in the yoga studio, there I, should there have been be some balls. Scarring, That's all I'm saying. But there saying. would also be scarring if a child were to see it. Like the whole time they're talking to the elephant and she's got her legs like up in the air, and I'm like, and they're, they would be literally talking into her vagina. It's vulva, for the record. <laughs> well, I don't know. With the way she has her legs spread, they may be talking into her vagina. Well, <laughs> it is an elephant. I can't speak to the dimensions here. <laughs> and now I'm contemplating, like, megaphone-sized <laughs> exterior labia, right? Like Spread eagle. Oh, Jesus. Thank you for that image. <laughs> And I get why they removed it. I mean, I'm not saying, like, they're (laughs) out of line for removing it. I'm just saying we focus on nudity an awful lot in this story for, I can't honestly (laughs) argue a discernible reason. Yeah. That's all. That's all. (laughs) Okay. So, Judy... All she wants to be in life is All a she cop. wants to be is a cop. And then she has the fight with the fox, which is our epic backstory here and mm-hmm. is important later. <laughs> Disney is really good at bringing things around. I kind of think they do that to help kids learn how foreshadowing works. So even knowing that Disney is really good at that, I miss it so many times when I'm watching a Disney movie. Because I think they're really actually very good yeah. about it. And smart ones do pick it up. Like, mm-hmm. my kids are usually pretty quick on the uptake when we watch these kinds of things. Hey, mm-hmm. that seems relevant. <laughs> they're not quick on the uptake in... A plethora of other ways, (laughs) socially or, you know, in real life, that would matter. But, like their mommy, they care a great (laughs) deal about film analysis. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't know whether to be proud or ashamed. Probably a little bit of both, right? So Judy goes to the police academy now, and that's a fun little, you know, backstory building sequence. Mm -hmm. We also get to see her new apartment, which we never come back to again. No, she does. When? Uh, After the first night. She's there. We see her there two Oh, that's right. And, And she talks to her mom and dad. Yeah, okay, and so they call I, her a meter maid, yeah. and the neighbors are, like, yelling at her for her music, <clears> and then he calls her a meter maid, and the other one says, that's not nice, it's obviously a sore subject, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, so she's there twice. Yeah, when okay. she first sees it. You're right, all right, all right. Her sad city dwelling Because the apartment. rest of the movie takes place in 48 hours. Mm-hmm. 
well, we assume roughly 48 hours. Mm -hmm. She's back on the farm and selling carrots and blueberries at a later point. And by then, we have a new mayor. So some time A lot of the movie takes... Probably not a lot. Yeah. Probably not a lot. Okay. After the... um, Police Academy montage. We get to we we do the drive through the city, yeah, which is the city. visually, I have to say, probably one of the most stunning sequences yep. in the movie. When that was coming up, my son was like, "Oh, is she going to take the train soon?" That's my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, it's a, I can. See I love why. it. I think it's great. But like, there's a lot in this movie. For you to pick that part's a little weird, but okay. No, but I get it. Like the it's cityscapes good. and yeah, yeah, it's it's very cool. It is some of the best animation in the mm-hmm. whole movie. Absolutely. Your son has discerning taste. <laughs> That's what it is. He's he too is a little junior film critic. <laughs> Kind of is, actually. We get some really choice tidbits from him. (laughs) (laughs) So we have the train sequence, and then we get to, uh, is it, is it Chief Bogo? Yeah. Uh, It's Chief Bogo. Okay. And that whole scene where he does not assign Judy to anything but being a meter maid. Yeah. So, She's like, well, I'm going to be the best meter maid there is. I had a thought about things, and it, it becomes pretty apparent, like, immediately. You know, she has her day as a meter maid or whatever, and then the next day is when she runs into uh, Duke, Wessel- Duke Weaselton um, stealing, mm-hmm. and then she has to chase him. And she chases him through, oh, I can't think of what they, oh, Little Rodentia is what they call <laughs> Rodent Town. Um who is policing those Little areas? Rodent town? Yeah, because like you see the the polar bear who's trying to tell her to like you're a meter maid, you're not a real cop. He can't get in there. He can't police that town. Why don't they have like smaller mammal police officers? <laughs> Are like all the small mammals just like expected self- to fend for themselves? Police? They're self policing. Uh, it's an interesting question because they have like an external fence, mm-hmm. but you can tell from the Godfather mole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what else. I think to- he's a shrew. Oh, he's a shrew. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> the Godfather shrew that he has chosen to eschew little Rodentia, Rodentia. Yeah. for the protection of the large polar bears. But there's no Well, actual... because he is actually an Arctic shrew. Oh, he's an Arctic shrew. Yeah. But it seems like his daughter was probably just shopping in little Rodentia because they probably have better shrew-sized Well, they do have better wedding dresses for her to buy there. Maybe the hairdresser was in Little Rodentia. You know, it was the day before her wedding. Right. We do have important considerations to take care of at this time. So, after... So, the whole reason... We've got the chasing. Yeah. Yeah. So, the whole reason she's in Rodentia is because she's chasing Duke Weaselton, who stole something from 
flora and fauna, the... The bag of bulbs. Yeah, it's a bag of bulbs. Crocus bulbs. Crocus bulbs. We don't find out about that until later. Well, no, they do name it at that point. But do they name it scientifically at that yes, point? Yes, I believe they did. that's how we don't... Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how that's how Judy misses the name and I the connection. I think so, yeah. I mean, except that I don't quite buy that. I don't know. It's Maybe little, they don't name them there. I don't how, know. How is it that she Because, didn't... so when she's getting reprimanded by Chief Bogo, he's right, like, Right, exactly. Chasing, We're picking up on the same thing here. You're chasing them for some old onions. Mm-hmm. And she says no. She at least points out that they're crocus bulbs or tulip bulbs. She points out that they're a bulb of some sort. And I felt like she said it more specifically than that. But I can go back for many episodes and clarify this yeah i can't remember because i feel like she does at least identify them as the bulbs maybe she just didn't know perhaps as an expert taxonomist she just didn't know the common name there we go that's our headcanon here no but when she's back at home her dad calls it no he calls it the scientific name right so I I thought she called it the scientific name in well, Chief Bogo's office. So I'm just assuming she hadn't at that point, and it didn't. It took her until the end to put two and two together. Right. I think because well, and she says that she has this background. I mean, well, her- you know what? Also, she doesn't know the story about because her dad just originally says that he puts them out to keep the bugs away, but they don't like the littles getting near them because this thing happened to her uncle. Who but bit her she mom. didn't hear the so story. So she had never heard that story before. So she had no reason to know at that point that well, this is what was going to happen. And that makes sense because there's a lot of like family histories that we don't actually yeah, hear until the that we're adults. Yeah, or until like, they're relevant. Like, there's some shit about my yeah. family that was never told to me until right. I was old enough to know, oh, by the way... So you know, there's some shit in our history. Yeah, so I'm sure it's just that. Like, she, at that point, and throughout the point, the movie, up until she goes back home, doesn't know that they caused this. Right, doesn't, had never heard the story, had never mm-hmm. heard the common name. Even though she so knew of the flower, yeah. Right. So, anyways. We're, we're going to accept sure that, that headcanon, and y'all are going to go with us, because <laughs> you don't have any choice, really. That's that's what's going on here. <laughs> Not until you start giving us feedback. There you go. <laughs> we'll bully you into it. You're going to accept it and like it, or you're going to call us. The number is 402-885-4875. Please do call and argue. I'm, I'm happy happy to argue (laughs) with one of our listeners here so that all leads to her being in chief bogo's office when miss otterton comes in Mm -hmm. emmett otterton's mom wife yeah wife wife. yeah emmett otterton which is funny because of emmett otter's jug band christmas no i've got no you don't know what emmett otter's jug band christmas is no it's like a muppet christmas movie i'm sorry oh my god 
Anyways, Emmett we're, Otter. We're learning some is things thing. here about each other's <laughs> actual film credentials tonight. Aren't yeah, we? I guess so. <laughs> so that's how she ends up on the case of Emmett Otterton. Okay, well, that's fantastic. No, this movie is filled with these little oh, yeah. subtle like, references. One of the um, one of the officers is Grizzoli. I'm assuming that's like Rizzoli. Rizzoli, but a Rizzoli grizzly bear. Yeah. yeah, I hadn't, I, I didn't catch it, but I hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> and I looked, I found like a list of the other officers' names, and none of the other ones were like on the nose like that. Um, but I'm sure that. But I'm sure they all yeah. are in some way because there's a ton of yeah. pop culture references in this film because there's a ton of Parks and Rec people, both on voice and in the actual writing, too. So that's where a lot of this comes from is that they all decided, hey, let's write a kids movie. <laughs> and that's what they did. So after we meet Otterton and Judy finds Nick or figures out that he was the last person to see Nick or to see Mr. Otterton. So then she blackmails him with the carrot pen. So her watching him like do this whole scheme where he buys the $15 popsicle <clears throat> and turns it into $200. The fact that like He didn't even buy the $15 No, yeah, popsicle. she bought it. She bought the $15 popsicle. But the popsicle. fact that the elephants didn't want to sell the $15 popsicle to the fox. I'm wondering if there's some sort of, like, scaling that happens in this society. So, like, an animal like an elephant that obviously will need to consume quantity-wise more than an animal like a shrew has, like, some sort of subsidized food system. I mean, there's certainly suggestions of yeah. it, right? And the elephant says he has the right to refuse, to refuse service. service. Right. And it's kind of pointedly clear that while he does, because Judy certainly knows the code, right? Mm -hmm. She knows all the laws and right. she's Girl Friday about telling you what's what. But she can't really argue with him over that assessment. So clearly there's some... I mean, everyone in that shop is an elephant or a rhino or a hippo. Mm -hmm. They're all bigger. Yeah, large animals. <laughs> so I'm curious about that. They certainly do seem to indicate a lot of ways in which accommodations can and should be made socially. I think there's a lot of lessons there, honestly, for... Mm -hmm little kids about the ways in which we tolerate and work with other people who mm -hmm. are different than us. <clears throat> Nevertheless, we scam the elephants out of a $15 popsicle. And sell it to the Melt shoot. it on the roof. <laughs> I mean, and like the blood trail dripping down the vent, right? <laughs> I mean... And what is, I never figure it out, what the 
hell kind of animal is Nick's partner? A fennec fox. Oh, it is a fox. It's yeah, just it's a, a bitty fox. fox. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they're the okay. They're they are the, really the ones with the ones. super big ears. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I know them. I've they're seen them. They're little. Music. Yeah, but they're always little. They yeah. never get big. No. It reminded me of the baby from Roger Rabbit. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which we are definitely going to have to add to the list <laughs> at some point in time. I eagerly await the day <laughs> that we get to review Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Oh my god, that movie is a mess and I love it. All right. So we have yeah, then we have the selling to the lemmings. And then, oh no, that we, we've skipped past that already. We, we've got Nick and the carrot recorder. Mm-hmm. And so she cons him into... Because she figures out that he was the last person to right, see to Emmett. See... That he bought a popsicle from mm-hmm. Nick. So the first place he takes her, like... I mean, because they know they know at that point that he was taken in a limo, right? Like, I, I think there's a lot of it, it reminds me a bit of we've talked about this entangled with, you know, he he is technically taking her to the place that she wants to go. <laughs> yeah, like but, the fuzzy duckling. <clears throat> yeah, right. But in the most lewd and crude way possible. Right. And he does it first by taking her to the nudist. Yeah, the nudist yoga studio. Where we have the yak voiced and I love that by Tommy Chong. Talking to the elephant because an elephant never forgets and she doesn't remember And she anything. doesn't remember shit. And he's like a stoner yak and he remembers everything. It, it doesn't was a great realize sequence. It. Yeah. And Tommy was really, I, I quite yeah. enjoyed him as the guy with the memory for once. As, yeah. as a chronic pot smoker. <laughs> I do feel that one. We don't, we don't remember. I have <laughs> learned how to write everything down, because if I do not, it's just, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Completely gone. Tommy, Tommy seems to have it on lockdown, though. <laughs> He's just been hanging out with the elephant, and now he remembers. But then next, after the nudist colony, then we go to the DMV. <laughs> And I think that may be my favorite scene in the whole movie. (laughs) My kids get visibly upset. Like anxious about what's happening? Oh, yeah. like So I just had to go to the DMV last week because my license need to be renewed. And they, in like the bullpen area, they had a stuffed animal of Flash hanging in the DMV. <laughs> like <clears throat> my kids are Oh, you know, we totally forgot impatient. to talk about the fact that Miss Otterton is Octavia Spencer. I'm I'm not catching who is Octavia Spencer. Uh she is very famous. Um she was in the help. She was oh, in. Okay, I have a I have um, a reference now. Thank you. Yes. Okay. She is Octavia Spencer, and let's see. Um, 
I guess A Time to Kill was her first. She's been in a ton of stuff. But, yeah, she's, um, yeah. Hidden Figures is the other big one. Mm Mm-hmm. She was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for that. Same thing, The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so she Those are actually more recent, though. Miss Otterton. Prior to that, she was, yeah. She's, yeah. Okay, thank you. (laughs) So, the DMV. DMV. And my kids are noticeably antsy about the fact that it's taking so long (laughs) to to get answers here. Like bouncing in chairs and on furniture (laughs) like it's a really long scene too it really is and it's hysterical it definitely gets you to feel the anxiety and i loved it like (laughs) every time i see it i'm just dying of laughter because man people are so impatient so impatient (laughs) and it's just so emblematic of what that actually looks like because she (laughs) cannot wait for flash to finish a thought or a sentence and then when nick eggs him on with the joke (laughs) i just (laughs) die every time it's just the best (laughs) all right so we leave the dmv and it's nighttime and it's now, well, yeah, because <laughs> it took us a while to get through all of that. Like, this was deliberate. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> we also end up then at... Uh, how do we cut to the... I guess we just cut to, don't we? The place where the car is. And it's nighttime yeah. now. And we don't... Well, because... Yeah. And it's nighttime, and it's the... It's, like, impounded, or is it just in a lot? It's not clear, because I literally just watched this, and I cannot actually answer that for you. I think that they just... They leave the DMV, and then we show up at the fence. Okay. Where... He's like, you can't go in because you don't have a warrant. So she throws the pen over the fence and says, but I had probable cause because I saw a suspicious character climbing a fence. (laughs) She is pretty sneaky about working with Nick. I, yeah. I do like a lot of she their does interactions a good job because of he like, expects her to be dumb. Yeah. He expects her to be a dumb bunny. And she continually breaks those expectations. Which is lovely. Have we gotten to Nick's story yet? I don't uh, think so. No, I don't think we get Nick's background story until later because he's not really all in yet no he really is not and i think that doesn't happen until the after they come across um oh the jaguar the, which yeah. is next so mm-hmm. they have the whole so the, the the polar bears find them in the car 
they take them to the shrew, the godfather shrew. And she said, and the godfather on the day of my daughter's wedding, like yeah, the whole, you come to it, me. it's so well done. It's so well done. So basically they end up in the limo that Emmett Otterton was taken in. And while they're in there, they realize it was polar bears and it's Mr. Big's Mr. Big's limo. Right. And right. Nick freaks out because Mr. Big does not like Nick. Oh, right. And, yeah. and why? Does Mr. Big not like Nick? I don't remember. Oh, man, you're forgetting the best part. <laughs> because he sold him a rug. Okay. Made from a skunk's butt. <laughs> skunk butt rug? A skunk butt rug. Okay. <laughs> I mean, and if I'm Mr. Big, yeah, you've made my shit list too, buddy. What the fuck? <laughs> so they end up getting taken in by the polar bears to Mr. Big. Who's gonna ice them, which was all very funny. Literally ice them. Yeah. I but, loved it. And then they're saved because Judy was the one who saved his daughter from mm-hmm. the giant donut. All coming full in circle In Little Rodentia. Here. In Little Rodinch. And that's when they get to have, like, an actual conversation with Mr. Big, where they figure out that it wasn't Mr. Big who turned him feral. Oh, hey! I know how we figure out how much time has passed. Because she's pregnant by then. How long does an archie crew incubate for? (laughs) Well, I will look that up in (laughs) time for the mini-episode. I'm sorry. I give you so much weird shit to figure (laughs) out. (laughs) But that is, in fact, the answer. Because she's fully pregnant... And, and and looks like she's about ready to pop at the end. And Judy well, you is know the what godmother. They say, the first baby can come at any time, but all the others take nine months. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> no, that well could be the case here too. I mean, they are based on Italian families, right? Which, so this all seems perfectly reasonable <laughs> to me. <laughs> Well, there goes my dating theory. Fine. Fuck you. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So, we have... Um, then we have the the Jaguar scene. Yeah, because right? he, he was the chauffeur. He was the driver, right. Yeah, that was in the car when Emmett Otterton right. went savage. Went insane. And then they cuff him, and Bogo shows up, and then the jaguar is gone. Oh, they actually make an important point. They, Do I they? believe Mr. Otterton was Mr. Big's florist. Oh, f- I assume for the wedding. Yeah. But florist flowers bulbs. So yeah, right. that's his connection relatively. So that's why when you get at the end, you get that flash of the, is it a, it's a sheep or a ram. Uh, it's a ram. shooting what is essentially, it looks like paintballs mm-hmm. at everybody. Mm-hmm. Why he would have been going after Emmett Otterton. It's obvious that he like 
knew what was going on and he would have known about the flowers Mm -hmm. okay this actually the it's very well it's well thought (laughs) out and there's a lot of little subtle things Mm -hmm. and i had forgotten like we watched this movie so it's not on netflix anymore or currently as we're recording this because it's a disney movie and disney bought the right back right did they actually or did it just their contract with netflix who the hell knows Who even knows? But this one was on Netflix for a significant portion of time. Yeah. So, like, and this will, this will, we are recording this the week of October, or of Halloween. And it won't be released until far after Disney Plus starts. Right. But I'm sure it's going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah. I'm sure, because it's one of the ones that has not been seen anywhere Mm -hmm. in a while. So, yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to be enjoying it on Disney+, Plus, which I am, I gotta admit, reluctantly on board with subscribing because of The I'm Mandalorian. I'm already signed up for three years. Hmm? I'm already signed up for three years. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're <laughs> such a Disney nerd. I love you. You are such a Disney nerd. I'm also going soon. Well, I know you are. I'm really excited January. to... I want you to take pictures that don't have you and everybody in them so that we can share them and yeah, stuff. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to take so many pictures of the tangled bathrooms. We have talked <laughs> at length about the tangled bathrooms. Best so bathrooms I will be super Disney. offended if you do not. <laughs> okay. So we have, this is where we get the whole confessional scene about Nick and his troubled past. Yeah, it's as, after they escape the jaguar. Right. And, they and they're up, in the tram or whatever. Yeah. And he tells her yeah. about, never let him see you cry. Oh my God. How bad do you feel for little Nick? Well, I personally shed some tears yeah. here. But this is me. So, like, I can't. I can't speak to your average person. No, it made me sad. I didn't weep. But like, <laughs> Only that I do shed some tears it was for sad. little Nick here. Poor guy. The he, muzzle- all he wanted to be was a, a scout, and they muzzled him. And they muzzled him. Well, and for His me, that's such very assholes. Much they are assholes. Little herd like assholes. <laughs> which is, I think, an interesting. like layers here all the Mm -hmm. layers but they are talking very clearly i think about the herd mentality Mm -hmm. and what that looks like when we manifest it as wanting to belong yeah and not fitting in and how even kids can be little assholes about whether or not you belong so yeah i think they did a good job with that there Right, and so before they um, leave the jungle area in the tram and he tells his story, he also defends Judy mm-hmm. to Bogo about what happened. So I, that's really the turning point, the whole point with the um, the jaguar. and the- You know, I don't think Nick is ever really a bad guy. I honestly think he is exactly who he is because that is all he has ever been allowed right, to be. Right, and that's exactly what he says. If everybody thinks you're going to be a sly fox, then be that's a sly what fox. Sh- then that may as well be what you are. Even though it is 
obvious that he has clearly aspired to more mm-hmm. and wants to be more and has just never been given the opportunity. Which is, yeah, lots of good lessons in this one, I think. So we have the heart-to-heart and the nick and the muzzle, and yeah, I do cry a few tears Poor at that. Poor little baby fox. So after that, we get to... Well, they see Manchus, Manchus, the... The Jaguar uh, chauffeur. Right. He gets picked up by... Oh, right, right. We follow them with the cameras, which we get to... Because Bellwether lets us... And then we, of course, get to the mayor, Mm -hmm. who is holding all of these people. Mm -hmm. People, So, obviously, Bellwether set it up because she wanted them to see that the neighbor... Or the mayor was holding all of these savage animals hostage because she rightly assumed that it would play out the way it does that the mayor then takes the fall for the situation that's going on but when they noticed that he was captured by the wolves that's when she puts together that the night howlers were the wolves because at that point everybody had been talking about the night howlers and so the assumption is that wolves howl and so and so that's what we go with yeah which leads us then i suppose to the press conference right Mm -hmm. where i mean she gives nick the application she wants him to apply for the police academy right and he gives her the advice about press conferences without telling her that it is like she's literally being thrown to the wolves yeah. right now as we speak. There was so much about that press conference that I feel like it was kind of orchestrated by mm-hmm. Bellwether, right? I'm sure, yeah. I mean, we don't we don't get that subtext afterwards, mm-hmm. but Knowing what we know about Judy and Bellwether as the mastermind, we have right. to assume she was like, yeah, let's call Judy out. She's going to totally play up right. this predator-prey element, mm-hmm. and everyone's going to go insane. Because yeah. she interrupts her, too, at the key moment when it's clear that everybody's about to freak out about mm-hmm. predators being a problem. So we get to... So so Judy and Nick, like, leaves at that point. Yeah, Nick leaves, pretty unhappy. Judy soldiers on for a little while. And all of Zootopia basically falls apart. Basically. We have more prey attacks. We have random stranger attacks that don't have anything to do with the toxin at mm-hmm. this point in time. Because I think what Bellwether... So, we don't really get a whole lot of her subtext, even when we get her great nemesis speech at uh-huh. the end. But there's a lot here about the predator-prey relationship and the fact that if you're not a big prey 
I guess, would be the appropriate language to use here. I mean, we have the larger herd animals. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Bogo is, I mean, he's a... Water buffalo. Water buffalo. But so, but he's still a, an, a herbivore. Right, right. By he's our not... standards, he's prey. Yeah. But he's a giant animal. Mm-hmm. So that gives him an edge within the community that... Right. Judy doesn't have as a bunny. But there's a lot of subtext here about the predator-prey relationship, Mm -hmm. about how the prey end up in inferior roles. Mm -hmm. They end up in as farmers, as servants. The predators seem to be the upper class Mm -hmm. of things. Even our, I guess, Arctic shrew of it all, right? We're Mm -hmm. still basically talking, I mean, he's a rat, but he is a predator. He Mm -hmm. is a meat eater. So there's these weird kinds of layers. Yeah. I don't know. Shrews, do they eat live meat or do they just eat carrion? I don't know. I don't know either. (laughs) This one, I I have to admit, I'm not entirely sure of. But I do believe they are omnivorous. So there's these weird stacking layers. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're trying to get at here, without actually coming out and saying it, is that we're trying, Disney is trying to talk about social stratification. Oh, yeah, yep. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Overall... I would say they do a mostly good job. Yeah. There's some tone deafness, but that's kind of impossible to avoid. Mm-hmm. They don't address... When we look at predator-prey, we're not actually hitting the notes of race in the same way as what I sure. think we're trying to get to here. But I think it's a, a good um, lead-in to having mm-hmm. that maybe conversation with your kid. Like, this mm-hmm. is, like, a, a depending on how old your kid is, this is a movie example of, like, being able to start the explanation process of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like, I do. And we need more movies where we can start to build those kinds Mm -hmm. of conversations with our kids because it really, it takes a lot of awareness. And socially, we have a tendency to, I hesitate to use this word, but it's appropriate here, whitewash these kinds of interactions Mm -hmm. so that we're not really naming for our children what's actually happening happening and with this we can very clearly name the systemic oppression that Mm -hmm. is happening for prey animals in this god man sometimes when we do this i feel a little bit crazy applying intersectional language to kids movies but in fact These are really appropriate conversations to be having with your kids around this movie. We can talk about what it looks like when certain people are systemically oppressed in a society. Yep. And I think we did a good job with that in this Mm -hmm. film. Yeah, I agree. I, I think this is a great one to show your kids for those reasons. 
Because what happens in this climax here is that all of those hard, hostile feelings are really boiling over mm -hmm. into the social strata. So you have prey being attacked by the predators, yes, but you also have predator injuries, too. Right. And I think that's the point that they're trying to make that's mm -hmm. really important to emphasize here, is that while we can and should look at systemic analysis, it absolutely can go too far. Mm -hmm. We can absolutely take it in the wrong direction and have a tendency to, as herds, when we respond as herds. So I think all of that is kind of in the subtext here, which I guess ultimately ends up with Judy back at home, right? She right. has resigned from the police force in disgrace. She doesn't want to be the face of whatever this bullshit is. Mm -hmm. She turns in her badge. She goes home, which is where she hears the story of the bulbs. Well, first her bully comes. But right, it's in relationship yeah. to her bully. She would never have heard this story if she hadn't stood up for her friends yeah. all those years ago and gotten the tickets back. Yeah. Because this fox comes back and he's a baker now. Yeah. And he's a partner with Judy's right. parents. With Judy's parents. And they say to her, we would never have trusted him except for your example. Right. And so then while he is there, the kids go near the crocuses. Her dad says, oh, I don't like the littles by there. Or he calls them by their name. Their scientific name, which and we're then, assuming is the name that she calls them right. earlier in the movie. And the, and the bully fox says, oh, we just always called those night howlers. Mm -hmm. And so then Judy starts to put it together, and then her dad tells the story about her uncle biting her mom, and she's got a, gent a dent in her arm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes back, and there's the tearful scene of reunion with Nick, which yeah. also gets me going a little <laughs> bit, right up until the part where he plays it on the carrot, mm -hmm. I'm a dumb bunny. And I'm yeah. just like... It's such a dude thing to do. <laughs> well, it's oh the same God. thing she did to him. <clears throat> and then they hug it out, and all is well, and then they go and bust the ram, and they blow up all the evidence. Which... In the train. It's funny at one point, because it's totally set up to look like a, a Breaking Bad thing, and at it one is. point, one of well, the rams says... Walter! Yeah, Walter, Walter and Jesse are going to be back soon. Right. They're <laughs> going to be back soon with food or something. Yeah. I mean, the references is It's abound on the nose. It's like right on the nose for that one. I haven't <laughs> even seen that show, and I caught those. <laughs> it, that too, don't look at me like that. You guys should see the look that I just got. But no. I've never, Bad, I don't watch Breaking Bad either. Uh, okay. I watched like the first couple of episodes. I'm just and not. it didn't do it for you. Huh? No. no, it's on my list because yeah. I feel like it's probably a really good character story that I just yeah. I did a lot of drugs as a teenager, uh -huh. 
And I'm like, do I really want to watch the fictional version of my life as a teenager? <laughs> I, I haven't been quite willing to go that far yet, but I'm sure it's a great story. It's on the list. I have a lot of things on the list. So we have the train explosion, but Nick has the the case, which is what he wanted to escape with in the first place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And then they go, they cut through the museum, which is where Bellwether shows up to give them her whole epic villain speech. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is a pretty good villain speech, I must say. It's nice when the villain is a cute, fuzzy sheep <laughs> delivering, you know... And then we have the scene with Nick going feral. Because mm -hmm. they were smart enough to swap out the pellets with blueberries. Right. Although, I don't know, was she in on it the whole time or did she just believe? I don't know. I think that's an interesting question. To I think be she asked. was probably in on it. Probably, but you don't know. I think the. Leap of faith is a worthy question mm -hmm. here, too. There's... Judy and Nick's friendship is really valuable. Yeah. Like, there's, there's a lot of good nuggets there about what real friendship looks like, about what trust looks like. Yep. And how you develop that over time, and you can also fuck up. Mm hmm Which is valuable for kids, I feel, because... Boy, do they fuck up a lot in their early relationships. I watch my kids sometimes with their friends, and <laughs> oh my god, it's tragic. <laughs> tragic. Just, I mean, my middle son has a kid that he literally refers to, to his face, as my frenemy. I'm oh, like, that's no. not doing you any favors, dude. <laughs> <clears throat> So we have the whole wild animal scene, which I did find particularly ironic in the Natural History Museum in what clearly looks like one of the wild animal enclosures, right? Like, yeah. I can't be the only one who, I mean, I've never even been to, like, the Smithsonian, but it felt like... Yeah, that's a, that's it's what a Natural History like. Museum, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But... We get the. We also get her on the carrot, not on tape. We get her on the carrot, and then all of the other cops show up and arrest Bellwether, and we have a happy ending. And Nick becomes a cop, and then Judy gives a speech. And if I wasn't crying before Judy started giving her speech at commencement about. You know, trying and shit. God, I'm such yeah. a sap. <laughs> but sure enough, that is the sequence that always does me in with this movie. And there's just great big tears rolling down my... God, I'm such a sap. Okay. that That's Finn. <laughs> but then we have that scene with them as partners after the fact and oh, after he you graduates. Well, no, that's more of an Easter egg because... No, it's, it's before the credits. No, I guess that is before the credits. 
And so, well, I wanted to talk about it because I love their conversation and they say they love each other in like a completely platonic, like, mm-hmm. we're just a guy and a girl who are friends. And I love that about this movie. It is nice to have a boy and a girl fall in love mm-hmm. in a platonic way. Mm-hmm. It does not happen often in no. Disney movies, although I may be feeling bitter because we have fairly recently come off recording Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that Ralph loves um, Vanellope, and yes. Vanellope loves Ralph. Yes, that would be a platonic love, but that's certain, but we're talking two of the newer Disney yeah. movies here. Yep. This is certainly a recent trend in development. I, just, I really like that as a, <clears throat> a thing Disney's doing. If, let's see, I mean, the oldest one that comes to mind, and it's not quite boy meets girl, it's more like girl meets alien, is Lilo and Stitch. Yeah. Yeah. But I would would consider that more of like a... Pet. Yeah. A pet situation. Because Stitch is not a pet, but he's not a boy Mm -hmm. either. (laughs) Right. But this is friendship. This Mm -hmm. is a truly functional relationship between a boy and a girl, and their gender happens to be coincidental here. And they never really, like, at least in this, um, in this movie, they never really toe even the line of, like, will they or won't they, you know? Like, that's not even a thing that comes up. It's not a thing that comes up because I honestly get the feeling on an undertone sort of level. We don't have interspecies problems. Oh, yeah. That's true, too. I think you're right there. We We, never see that. We never see an interspecies relationship in any way, shape, or form in this movie. Which, again, with the nudity question, I mean, we're we're, we're buttoned up, I mean... It's all stuff that they can explore in the second one, which I am sure is going to be made. The second one, or the TV show, Mm -hmm. or there will be something. Mm -hmm. There will be something. Because I don't think Disney can get away with not. This movie is universally well-loved. Yeah. If you... So, like... If you're bored one day mm-hmm. and you'd like to fall down a particular kind of rabbit hole, the kind of rabbit holes that Sarah and I fall down when we are researching this show, <laughs> go to Google, just enter in Zootopia and start reading Google reviews for this movie because, oh my God, friends, this is a rabbit hole. Like, people have devoted some serious brain power to looking at the minutiae of this film in ways that even I kind of find (laughs) impressive. (laughs) When I say your devotion to the minutiae of a film is impressive, I really mean it. It means something. (laughs) It means a lot because I'm the girl who's spent the better part of a day on the Pixar Theory websites <laughs> so that I could tell you all 
about the Pixar theory. I mean, these people have some theories about yeah. this movie. I'm sure they do. Oh, I feel like that would be a more than just a rabbit hole. <clears throat> it's 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 a warren. <laughs> yeah, I was to gonna be. say a whole rabbit warren. Yeah, it's it's a whole rabbit warren, like a like a watership down style. <laughs> Rabbit, oh, don't let your kids watch that one. No. (laughs) (laughs) Even though it comes up on the kids' uh, section in Netflix, don't let your kids watch it. So we can't forget to talk about who Judy and Nick try to ticket the first time they're out together. Oh, well, so we have our not-so-Easter egg, Flash. (laughs) <laughs> they get the going 110 miles an hour because can't in, finish a sentence in a reasonable period of time but he their, is perfectly happy to go 110 down the street in their first shift meeting chief bogo tells them about uh um street racing mm-hmm. situation yeah they are assigned <laughs> this case yeah <laughs> and it's flash the sloth okay. Which and then the movie ends with a big concert by Gazelle, Shakira, Shakira. But our good fat tubby, I don't know what is he a cheetah? Yeah, Klaus Hauser, Klauhauser. He's there. And so is Chief Bogo, because he's also a fan. Because he's also a fan. <laughs> I did like that sequence with Bogo mm-hmm. and the Shakira app, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Klauhauser finds him. Right. I also liked Klauhauser coming back to the front desk and, and everyone bringing donuts. him donuts. Yeah. <laughs> my my uh, son really liked that one. He was like, oh, they all brought him donuts. That's so nice. He can appreciate donuts. Well, and he, well, apparently he can. I hear tell that y'all have some very impressive donuts up there. Yes. And someday but we don't I call them long to jams. eat them. Yes. <laughs> someday I intend to come up there and visit you and, and just eat the eat donuts. donuts. Okay. Yes. I'll, I'm, I'm game. Well, <laughs> We'll do a live tour of where donuts. you can take me to donut <laughs> shops and we'll record an episode and then eat donuts. It sounds, sounds like a fantastic plan. <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else story-wise that we need to talk about here? I don't think so. No, I feel like we've covered this one pretty well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, blubberability. This one's like a three because I do blubber at the end pretty predictably. But this is probably not a crier for anyone else. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I am no longer a good judge of these things, especially this time of year because it's a raw time of year yeah. for me. Yeah. I just, I'm weepy at everything all the time. But yeah, this one has several points. I believe I have highlighted them all adequately where I had to at least pull out a tissue and do the (laughs) thing. Yeah. 
Okay, let's talk about age. I don't think there's a problem with age. I don't think at any point in time, and in fact, at every age, there's potential conversations to be had from this movie. There's a couple of spots that may be a little scary, like the jaguar scenes, a little scary. Um, You know, I'll I'll give you that. The savage animals in general, but they're not like... But but they don't emphasize it. They might be super concerned, yeah. And because they don't emphasize it, like, I don't feel like this movie is really over-the-top scary at any point in time. No. There wasn't anything that the youngest, who does have a high threshold for being scared, you know, he'll run over and bury his head into my lap. (laughs) I know yours does the same kind of thing, and I just, I don't think that there's a whole lot of that in this movie. No, I agree. Just something to be on the lookout for. But it is a great conversation generator at Mm -hmm. every age. Regardless of the age of my child, we have had good conversations about this movie pretty much every time it's been watched. So I do encourage it for that reason. We have Halloween costumes up next. Do we have... This one's interesting. I don't know that I I have ever seen... Okay. I've seen, like, people dressed as the characters, but not necessarily kids in Halloween costumes. So, we kind of skipped over the place where I would have had our great furry conversation. We talked about (laughs) the naked animals. So, here seems as good a place as any. Your children should not at any point in time be allowed to search for Zootopia clips on YouTube because it will very quickly lead you to some pretty questionable furry porn because Zootopia porn is apparently a booming business. (laughs) So (laughs) I know this. I I feel like I have to qualify this information. Because my husband and I are both pretty anti-porn for a lot of reasons, mostly regarding trafficking and the age and questionability of the actors at large. He is male and therefore likes to occasionally watch boobs, which I'm perfectly okay with. He just prefers to get them animated these days because those are the kinds of boobs that he can verify. (laughs) And while I do hear some stories about mistreatment of Japanese hentai animators, this is legitimately a thing. It is relatively on a level something I'm willing to deal with comparatively speaking to, you know, human trafficking. (laughs) So we, we let the hentai and animated stuff slide around here. But I do hear tell then that it's gotten weird of late, that there is a lot more furry and animated stuff of questionable intent. And they've also started sneaking this in to kid stuff. Mm -hmm. If you are not familiar with this, I do not encourage you to wander down this rabbit hole, but you can get decent information on a subreddit called Elsagate. Uh, 
it's don't watch the videos like you're gonna be scarred for life it's really the reason why you should never let your kid free range of youtube no you should not let your kids free range on youtube at any point in time if you let them on youtube um the only way that happens in my house is through um amazon free time Mm -hmm. and that's because free time specifically screens all of their age appropriate videos and so i'm okay with those pre-screened videos like it it means i end up with a lot of ryan's toys right and blippy Right. <laughs> the difference between Ryan's toys and Elsa Gate porn is yeah. pretty significant. So that is a warning that I do feel is worth offering mm-hmm. here. That when it comes to Zootopia, you cannot let your kids do any kind of YouTube surfing if that's something that you allow them to do because they will very quickly find themselves in dangerous waters with this film because it turns into furry porn and then it turns into something else entirely. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't even want to hear the thing. I'm not going to tell you because I am scarred for life, okay? (laughs) You You don't want to know some of the things that my (laughs) ears were subjected to in the telling of this tale, which means you definitely don't want to subject your kids to them. That's the message here. Well, we appreciate you're taking one for the team. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) All right, so now let's rate the movie. (laughs) Well, we're out of Christmas ratings. Yes. So we are now back to our normal five-point scale, which means I give this one... hmm, I still give this one a four and a half. I was going to give it a four and a half, too. It's really a strong movie for me. Yeah, I agree. It's a very good movie. It's it, it's not too over the top in story, and yet it really conveys strong messaging all the way throughout. Mm-hmm. And when I look at what I value in our kids' movies, ultimately it is the ability to foster a good conversation with my kids. Yep. I want to be able to have conversations with them about the things that we are not normally talking about, and this is a good place for that. I agree. Okie doke. Well, that leaves us at the end, folks. It is the new year, and we would really, really love it if you would like, share us. Offer us as a gift to your friends for the new year. (laughs) Say, I know you have all of this cool planning and shit going on, but while you're doing that, Why don't you listen to an hour and a half of these two foul-mouthed women (laughs) talk about kids' movies? I promise you it will change your life. Or something. I mean, that's... I'm not putting words in your mouth or anything. (laughs) (laughs) You guys can find us at Latchkey Movies. We are theoretically making a new bold attempt at social media for the new year. It's 2020. We're gonna... We're gonna try. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best I can promise you. 
But you should call us. Please call us. Argue. I would love that, and we will play it on the air. Or not. It's up to you. 402-885-4875. I believe I was soliciting arguments this week about... I don't know. It was something. I can't remember. I I love how well you pay attention to me. It makes me feel like... Hey, I have to listen to this whole thing again. I know. You'll you'll remember it the next time, I'm sure. (laughs) And that's it for us, guys. We're out. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.